Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. Make sure you hit like and subscribe. New show, Finns Nation, every single morning before the break of dawn. Louis Sung, he's got it up there on the YouTube channel. Also, FiveReasonsSports.com. Spell that one out. You get the latest takeaways from Brady Hawk, latest columns from Mateo Mayorga and others. And check out... Our great sponsors, that includes Prize Picks. Use code 5FIVE. We always tell you to play the NBA. NCAA tournament is starting. We know that a lot of even South Florida don't really follow it all that closely, but this is a way to make it even more fun. So go to Prize Picks, use the code 5FIVE, get that initial deposit matched up to $100. Google Play Store, Apple App Store, or you can go to prizepicks.com. And of course, you can pair the NCAA with the NBA, but also with golf, tennis, MMA, NHL, and all of the other sports. And now. Tonight's episode. Down the biscuit. Uh, five on the floor. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I've got Sean Rochester. You can follow him at S Rochester NBA. Greg has the night off. Alex and Brady are at the game, so you can follow their coverage on Twitter. The Miami Heat, I don't even know what the team was, Sean, that we watched tonight. 138 points, 59.8% from the field, 44.8% from three. Free throw shooting was good. It's always good. But they blow out the Memphis Grizzlies tonight. And look, 138 to 119, the Grizzlies don't have John Morant. They're dealing with the swirl of that entire situation and everything that's going on with that. They just lost Brandon Clark for the season. They're beat up right now. But they didn't have most of their core players when they just – destroyed Miami the last time in Memphis. So I'm going to go through some things that I liked tonight. Again, nothing is seems to be sustainable with this team, but there are some things that you can build upon a little bit, but just your overall reaction to the performance tonight. Yeah. I mean, you hit on the the key things and it seems like the shooting is starting to turn a corner. I think it's six out of the last 10 games that we've shot above 40%. And we've talked about that all season that, you know, the shooting was going to be sort of the thing that had to turn around if there was going to be a significant change in this team. Um, but tonight, you know, a 137 offensive rating, the way they shot the ball, um, Memphis is obviously shorthanded. But what you're really looking for, I think, in this case is how did we achieve what we did tonight? And uh, I think the process is what you want to see moving forward. And I think when we talk about process. That's what I want to get to here, because it's one thing to make a lot of shots, which the Heat did tonight. But it's another thing to put yourself in position to get easier shots. And I thought that's what they did. We know that there's been a, kind of this break this year between getting good shots and making good shots because the Heat, the process has been pretty good for most of the season. Even it hasn't always looked perfect. They've had a ton of open looks, and they haven't made them. But I like the way they got their open looks, and there's a couple other things that I like today offensively. So let me go through them with you here, Sean, and let's start with this. Jimmy Butler will often wait until later in the game to try to get to the free throw line. That was not the case tonight. He got to the line 
from the jump. He ended up putting together a really good stat line in 28 minutes. He didn't have to finish the game, which is another good thing. He didn't have to come back at the six-minute mark as he typically does. He ends up with 23, 8, and 6 with two steals and a block, so a full stat line. But the key thing is here, he had more free throw attempts than field goal attempts. He had 12 free throw attempts, most of them early, and 11 field goal attempts. So essentially, he was playing bully ball from the start. He told Brady the other night at the game that Spo wants him to shoot more threes, but he wants to run over people. And that's what he did from the beginning, and that's what I want to see him do from the beginning because when he does that, he sets the tone. Second thing that jumped out to me, Sean, and then you can get in on all of these, uh, I really liked Tyler Hero's approach tonight. I know that Spo wants him to take more threes. He took 10 the other night. Spo said he could have taken three or four more. Tonight he took six threes. But he had eight field eight field goal attempts from inside the arc. And a lot of them, he ended up seven for eight on those attempts. And a lot of those are attempts are the kind of attempts you want him taking. He was getting to the floater. He was near the baseline. He was able to finish. He looked very comfortable and in rhythm. 24 points, four rebounds, six assists, and a plus 15 tonight for Tyler. And the other thing that jumped out to me offensively, and then we'll get to some of the rotation stuff, which I thought was interesting was both point guards shot the ball well tonight. Um, when has that happened? Uh, they they were they combined for 42 minutes, Gabe Vincent and Kyle Lowry, 22 for Vincent, 20 for Lowry off the bench. Combined seven for nine from the field, combined four for five from three, including a bomb from Lowry from about 30 feet. They end up combining for 18 points, uh, four assists for, for Lowry, just one for Vincent, but good shooting from both of those. So of those three things that we're looking at it, Jimmy getting to the line, Tyler getting to his spots. And, of course, Bam played pretty well tonight, too. He had 15 field goal attempts. I wanted to mention that because that's back at the number that it should be. He's been under 13 since the All-Star break. Of all of those things, which to you is the most important? Jimmy getting to the line early, Tyler finding a rhythm inside the arc, Bam being overall aggressive, and the point guards playing better, at least shooting the ball better. You're going to put me on the spot and pick one. I guess I'm going to go with, um, I think the Jimmy getting to the line early. I think when he's engaged, obviously the offense is better. Sometimes, like you said, he picks his spots or rests himself, kind of saves it for later. Uh, but getting in, you know, to the free throw line early, you're getting people in foul trouble. Um, I think, you know, kind of the mental part of seeing the ball go through the net because he's a very good free throw shooter kind of triggers him to continue to be aggressive throughout. Um, we see that more in the playoffs than any other time. But, you know, to the other points, Tyler was great. Bam was great. If you look at them, I mean, all three above 20 points, all of them very efficient. 15 assists, it looks like, you know, just very, very active. Um, and to your last point, the Gabe Vincent Kyle thing, it's just good to see both of them playing well. I don't think we need to do anything about the roles. Um, I think the balance there, you know, 22 for Gabe and uh, 20 minutes for Kyle Lowry, the balance I think is a good thing for us. You, you don't need to depend on one or the other too much. When you talk about not needing to do anything with your their roles, would you just leave Gabe as a starter right now? I mean, unless you're going to make other changes, um, meaning obviously moving Kevin Love out of the starting lineup, and not that I'm advocating for that, but I I don't necessarily like the idea of Lowry and Love in the starting lineup. I think Gabe's defense gives you a good uh, you know, point of attack defender. And and I think that, you know, the guys are comfortable with what he's doing and what he provides. And then when Kyle comes in, he can still play with those lineups um with the starters but also really leading the the second unit. And we know from last year, he was very good in that. And earlier this season, he was very good in that. So I just think as long as everybody's uh, roles are fitting, everybody's happy and we're winning um, or just having success, I would say, not necessarily winning, I would continue with it. All right. We're going to get in a second to some of the other rotation tweaks that Eric Spolscher made, because there was a significant one tonight and somebody who did not 
get in the game. Before we do, I want to tell you about two sponsors of the post-game show here. Typically, this is on the YouTube channel. Just did a podcast tonight, and we'll get to the YouTube channel after without video. But we do want to tell you about a couple of sponsors. One is A Aggressive Insurance. That's our friend Lynette. Go to insurancebylynette.com. That's two N's and two T's, insurancebylynette.com. She can get you all kinds of different insurance, renter's insurance, life insurance, and, of course, car insurance. If you've got a bad driving record, she's the person to go to. She will absolutely find a way to get you insurance. So go to insurancebylynette.com. Again, that's A Aggressive Insurance. And also check out odmpsi.com. That's ODM Performance Solutions. This is a consulting company based here in South Florida in the Pembroke Pines area. They service all the three counties down here. But not only can they help you if you're a business and you're looking for high-level employees, but if you're a high-level employee, they can link you to a business. And they work uh, around the country with notable banks, law firms, and even supermarkets. Reach out to them at 954-434-0634. 954-434-0634. That's ODM. PSI.com. They've got current jobs available for branch manager, business development officer, and more. Go to info. You can also email info at odmpsi.com and you can reach out to them and they will help you out. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game. I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat. Performance solution to tonight, or at least the adjustment to tonight, was no Victor Oladipo. Um, Eric Spolcher, I asked him the other night about rolling 10 and sometimes rolling five for five, which is an old Hubie Brown thing. Kind of laughed about that because that goes way back, but he doesn't typically do that. And I know he's sort of trying to figure out which rotation guys to play right now. The other night he cut Struess out of the rotation and Yurtsevin out of the rotation in the second half. And he was aware of the Struess thing tonight. Struess is an early entry. No Oladipo. Yurt kind of annoyed him. You could see with the defensive coverage stuff in the first half. And so Haywood Highsmith got the backup five minutes afterwards and actually played really well. It was three or four from the field in 13 minutes, seven points, four rebounds, three assists, and really competed on the defensive end as he always does. How do you see the rotation right now? Because it, it doesn't seem like there's a set 10 and it or nine, and it doesn't seem like Vic is necessarily a full-time part of it. Yeah, I, I would like to see, you know, moving forward, if this is something that's a permanent thing, were they were they kind of resting or managing his minutes today, like kind of a day off? But it's interesting because, like you said, the other night, I think Strews played seven minutes. Tonight, he gives up to, what, 32 minutes. Uh, the bench as a group scored 45 points, and I know there was extended minutes for them, but still, they played very well. And um, 
I'm not, I mean, I really like the story of Victor Oladipo. I get annoyed with the dribbling the ball into the ground so much and the ball getting sticky and sometimes the shot choice that he has. I just think we need him. Don't get us, don't get me wrong because of the defensive stuff. But I think if he's not playing team basketball and doing the right things on the offensive end and you have Kyle back, now you have another ball handler, he may get squeezed in some situations. It looked to me like the second unit gets more settled with the ball in Kyle's hands, which is as you expect. The other night when they were playing together, Depot was handling and Kyle was standing in the corner. And I didn't understand that because if, if, if you're going to talk about Kyle still being able to do something for you, it is organizing a second unit, I would think. And so taking Oladipo out forced Kyle to handle the ball more tonight. And he was good. I think we talk about the minutes. Struis played 33 minutes off the bench tonight. By the way, Kevin Love's minutes continue to kind of decline. He's in the teens pretty much every game now. This game was 18. Uh, again, some of it was because it was a blowout. Um, but it doesn't look like he's going to get into the 25 to 28-minute range at any point soon. Struis played 33 tonight. Martin played 30. It just seems like that's going to be the case because Eric wants him on the floor. Um Yurtsevin is going to lose his minutes to Zeller. Do we agree on that once Cody's back? Absolutely. <laughs> and and <laughs> could, could, you, could you explain to people why? Because, I, I look, it's nothing against Yurt. I think Yurt has a future in the league. I, I do. He hasn't had the benefit, obviously, of playing all season. You know, training camp got cut short. You know, obviously played the first preseason game, and that was it. And I understand there's a, there's a skill level there in terms of the rebounding. He has good hands. He can finish. But it's the defensive coverage stuff, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, obviously, we know what his limitations are. I think the team and himself know what they are, too. And and he just had the misfortune that he probably would have had an increased role. I don't believe any you – know, I don't think they were going to start him. But, I mean, I think he was involved. Um, obviously, the goal was to trade Deadman, and then he could step into those minutes. And um, he just got hurt. I mean, you know, missing that time, especially at his age and being an older rookie, I think he missed out on an opportunity, especially when Dwayne Debman was so poor that we didn't have anybody else and he would have been in there if he hadn't taken his minutes earlier. So, you know, I, I hope they have opportunities to get him minutes just to see what they have. But the early indications coming off injury, which is not easy, uh, are not that he's going to be around or probably be a significant part of a playoff rotation. And it may have been different, as you said, if he had if he had been able to get through all the training camp and all Absolutely. that. But but to try to insert him at this stage, I mean, again, short minute role. Um, one of the other guys is banged up, comes in, gets some rebounds. You can see again, you can see the offensive skill level, but nothing drives Spolster crazier than not being in the right spot on defense. It, that is, and that is, I go all the way back to Michael Beasley's rookie season, like, and you you look at the offensive skill level that he had. And Spolscher wasn't playing him down the stretch of games. And so I, I just think until he's more comfortable with with uh, Omer being in the right spot at the right time, he's just not going to play him in those situations. And the margin of error is so – I was just saying, sorry. The margin yeah. of error is so slim. You don't have time to play around with these things. You know, tonight's a great opportunity. But in other games, those two minutes, we've learned very uh, – you know, looking back at the Dwayne Debman, those two minutes can cost you a game. And uh, it's not fair to your – but it's also not fair to his teammates to try to put him out there in these high-leverage situations. But to your point about Beasley, that's a first-round pick. Yeah, this they don't have real any any financial or long term obligation to him. They can let him walk to summer if they don't believe in him. And so, why do you put him out there? Because you're not really tied into him for long term. You're not, and also he hasn't increased his value in any significant way this year. So there is a chance you could bring him back cheap, 
and play with the experiment again because like, they clearly had a plan for him. Like he was supposed to play ahead of Dwayne Denman. Like Cody Zeller was not supposed to be here. Orlando Robinson was not supposed to be part of the equation. So Yurtsevin was supposed to get rotation minutes. It just may be too late at this stage. You mentioned the depot thing. And I, I think it's really interesting how Spolstra, and again, it may have been a rest maintenance day. We may find that out later, but he has, and he, and he has, he was shooting the ball a little bit better from three lately, but there was a six or seven game stretch where he was leading the team in three-point attempts at like almost nine three-point attempts per game. That's not what they want from him. I know Spolster wants everybody to shoot more threes, but there's a limit in, in terms of that. I mean, he wants Tyler to shoot more threes. He used to want Duncan to shoot more threes, okay, but I don't think he necessarily wants Oladipo to shoot more threes. He wants pain attacks. He wants him creating for others, but there's been turnover problems. There's been, as you said, sort of pounding the ball into the dirt. And so it wouldn't surprise me if it was just let's look at something different tonight against this team. And so he goes with Struess and it may be kind of a game to game thing, but it is a weird situation, Sean, that we have a guy who's been closing games. Like Brady has declared him the fourth closer. He closed the Knicks game. He closed one of the Hawks games with Kalen Martin and the heats quote unquote, big three. And now he's not playing at all. And I, I think it just tells you like what an experiment this is going to be the whole rest of the season. Yeah. And I, I think, You've hinted at this before in previous pods that he came into the season expecting big things. I think this, the team did also. And, you know, he's a former all-star. He's a former one of the top players in the NBA. And I think it's probably disappointing for him to put in all that work, come back from a very difficult injury multiple times. And now he's probably kind of realizing that this is not a season where he's elevated himself that like somebody's going to put him in as a, a starter or even a consistent real big minute six man. He's just limited in what he can do. You see spurts of the great Victor Oladipo, and then you see kind of the limitations that he has post-injury. And so I don't blame Spo for taking him out of the uh, rotation when he's not playing uh, at a high level. Haywood Highsmith, what do we, uh, is he again, occasional rotation player? This is this what we're looking at here? Yeah, I think situationally he fits the stuff he does on defense. Obviously, he has to be somewhat of a threat on offense or be able to contribute in ways, even if he's not making shots. And, um, you know, his size, his ability, if we played like Boston, to use him against those wings is uh, very valuable. All right. I want to look uh, ahead here a little bit, Sean, because, again, this is the type of game you have to win. You're playing against a team that's shorthand, and even though they are a top three team in the in the West or they have been for the most of the season, we take a look at the Knicks and the Nets situations right now. And the Heat have three games left with those two teams. They've got uh, two left with the Knicks. They've got one left with the Nets. They do not own the tiebreaker against either of the teams this season. This is what it's about right now. It's about catching one, just basically flagging one of those two teams. Have you seen anything lately with the way that they've been playing? And there's been some ups and downs, as we've discussed. They had to come back you know, to kind of hold off a Utah team that is at this stage kind of playing to get further down instead of get further up. They come back with a big win against Cleveland, uh, but then they played really poorly in the game following that. Are you comfortable enough with their, I know you said the shooting is tracking the right way. Are you comfortable enough with their consistency that you think they can make a run at either of those two teams? Uh, I don't think after 60, 65 games that we can start trying to find consistency in this team. They've, they've fooled us too many times. I think, you know, I think Spo and the group is is trying to do their best to try to find some sort of consistency, but it's just so late into the game to be integrating, like you said, you know, like Kyle Lowry coming back, Kevin Love is kind of moving in and out of his role. Victor might be moving in and out of his role. I just think whatever they can do each day, 
whether it's practice or game day, just get a little bit better. But we, we are who we are at this point. I, I just don't think that there's magic buttons to press um, in terms of consistency and things like that. Just do your best and uh, hopefully spoke and squeeze whatever juice is left in this group. It feels to me like Spo is going to try to, again, manage some of these other games, mix and match, whatever it takes, all that stuff. You know, everybody, everything is on the table, all the things that he says in some of these games. But it's basically going to be about how do we win those three we've got to win. You know, I, because they can win a bunch of these other games, but if they don't win those head-to-head games against the Nets and the Knicks, they're not catching e- either of them anyway since they don't have the tiebreaker. So I'm going to be watching very carefully what the minutes look like around those games because you need to have Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo playing in the mid to high 30s in terms of minutes of those games if you're going to have any shot. Good win for the Heat tonight, 138 to 119, kind of when they haven't had much this season. Again, usually we're like waiting, like begging Spolstra to send Butler to the scorer's table at six minutes left. It was not necessary Tonight, we're going to have, again, Howard Beck on here uh, in the next couple of days, a longtime NBA writer. We're going to bring it on some other guests. We're expecting to have Cody Zeller on the podcast next week as well. Check out all of our other programming. And when the Heat play again, which I guess is on Saturday, we'll have playback again there. So make sure that you check that out, too. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network.